welcome back to another episode of Say Something Interesting, a podcast that comes at you from the beautiful Eastern Washington, Eastlake Tri-Cities. This is our weekly follow-up to our Sunday talk. I am Margo, and with me is Brent. And uh, we just kicked off a new series. Outside the lines on Sunday, absolutely. And of course- Stole it right from ESPN, by the way. I don't know if anybody noticed that, but- that's like the uh, the journalistic reporting side of ESPN where they do like all the stuff about Oh, how... of course I caught that. Yeah, totally. I totally <laughs> caught that. Um, but I did have someone come up to me in the lobby saying, Brent's killing us because we, we just had a series called Guardrails, Stay Inside stay the inside. Line. <laughs> and then and now, saying, we have... now you got to go outside <laughs> the line. He's like, I got about four inches I'm working with here, Brent. Yeah, you gotta... <laughs> there's not much. There's He's not like, much. Should I stay inside the lines or should I go outside the lines? <laughs> Brilliant so. insights. I should bring that up. So next what, week. what's your what's your elevator pitch for what this series is about? In case people missed on Sunday. Oh, I just it, it's Jesus. Uh, when when I read about him in kind of stories about how he dealt with other people, he often uh, went outside of the lines of expectations. He talked to people he wasn't supposed to talk to. He did things he wasn't supposed to do, and he didn't do it out of rebellion, and he didn't do it out of ignorance. He did it out of intentionality. And uh, so I, I preface the whole story or the pre- premise of the of the series with my kids bringing home some preschool artwork and um, their drawings are outside the lines. And I'm not proud of their drawings outside the lines. In fact, it's cute, but it's like, you know, at some point you want to get them inside the lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as artists, and I'm not really a creative artist or anything like that, but I get I get the you've, you've seen enough artists be like, I just want to break out of the mold. You see the these artists go through phases where um, they produce um, they have there's there's certain style there's certain angle they produce x amount of albums or x amount of movies and then they kind of like go off the deep end like or they go and they do something that's like unexpected because they feel like they need to they pull a Joaquin Phoenix Joaquin Phoenix <laughs> Justin Timberlake Taylor Swift I mean Britney Spears all these people have gone through this phase where it's like the weird phase and then they and then they like like lose some people but it also is like a good outlet for them like I just need to go outside the lines of what you've boxed me in as and then you and then you can really see whether an artist can truly thrive as an artist who's kind of original or whether they're painted into a corner and they they can thrive as long as it's country or they can thrive as long as it's dance pop or something like that you know what i mean versus no i'm a, niche. yeah i'm an artist that can can you know transcend these types of things jesus had an ability to transcend not from a um, music uh, artist standpoint but from a never did the things refused to stay within the you should only talk to these people and not to these people he didn't have a my people and not my people type thing um, and so we looked at one of the stories uh, on Sunday about his uh, talking with a centurion um, who should have been outside the lines, should have been out of bounds, should have been somebody that had no interest in talking to Jesus and doing that sort of thing. So do you just want to jump into that piece? Usually we start off with something uh, sort of kind of like random and thought, but I, I mean, what do you want to do? Do you want to go back to random thought? What do you want to do? That is the teaser. That's let's the a, teaser. Let, let's okay. marinate on that for a second. Mm, that's good. <laughs> Let that I like sink it. in. So, Margo, I, uh, you moved here uh, like about well, a year and a half ago now, and in the process of moving over, um, you had a you had a battle with your movers, and you informed us last week that there were a couple of things that showed up conveniently missing yes. from your house. One of them being a selection of vinyls, um, records that uh, that went missing. Which ones did they? Well, we don't know who took them. Oh no, we know. <laughs> <laughs> There's uh, innocent until proven guilty. Sometime between uh, 
but me packing it away in a box and me opening the box opening said box with tape on it right uh they took i can't remember was it star wars ones that they took? no no they took my beatles records which oh. i'm not like a huge beatles fans but beatle records are actually hard to find just because and expensive ps people hold on to them. yes they do so they i think they just look through my record collection and took the Beatles records because they're like, oh, I know the Beatles and who's Simon and Garfunkel. So, yeah, <laughs> but kind of jokes on him. This is like the other side of the story, because in terms of value, the most valuable record I have in my collection is actually a first pressing of the Star Wars soundtrack, the original episode four New Hope soundtrack. And inside of that was a special edition poster. The poster itself is worth it's worth around 200 bucks. So not including like the first pressing of the vinyl in like mint condition so jokes on that jokes on you movers so you showed up with this vinyl player and all this stuff and uh and it was it was very clear um you were cooler than us you were cooler <laughs> than me and total hipster and etc cetera, etc cetera. then i go to andrew who also uh works here at the church doesn't do the podcast with us because i don't know why but um and he had a vinyl player at home with tons of records at his house and we went over to i think it was a baby shower or something like that i can't remember what it was and he was playing us some some crazy stuff that I'd never heard of before. Um, so all in all, <laughs> which sounds a lot like shady, anyways. Um, and then the other day, so, so that's and it's like a it's a thing, right? Like vinyls made a comeback in the last I don't know how Analog. many years. In the last ten years, it's uh, it's gone nuts. And and so the other day, I'm at a yard sale. We're out doing this like um, family. It was Saturday morning, and show up at this yard sale. It's a, a multi-family yard sale. I see a vinyl player. It's uh, it 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 uh, looks r- kind of new. And I know nothing about vinyl. I've never owned one before. I picked it up, and I I immediately Googled it, Amazon searched it, selling, right? Because that's what I do when I'm at a thrift store or at a garage sale. Cheap ski. Oh, yeah. What's this going for on eBay? How can I, How much can I make off this? And notice that this exact model is being sold on Amazon for like 128 bucks. But I mean, brand new. This one's not brand new, obviously. So I take it up to the front, and, and I'm playing dumb. I'm like, I, you know, how much? Because it didn't have a sticker on it. And I said, so how much do you guys want for the, the vinyl player? And she says, oh, I don't even know. The lady who's selling that, she's gone, and I have, <gasps> uh, I have no idea. And and I said, well, what, what would you think would she take for it? She goes, uh, I don't know, 10 bucks. And I said, do you know if it even – I'm playing – at this point, I'm like, oh, I'm buying this thing. Um, but then I'm like – how can I get a few more bucks? Oh my goodness, Margot Johnson! <laughs> so I said, "Do the you know?" The poor lady came back was rip. Oh, <laughs> probably, probably. She she goes. Uh, I said, "Do you know if it even works?" And she's like, I, "Honestly, I don't know. We can go inside the house and plug it in." And I was like, "Well, I thought a disc. You know, it's hard to know if the needle, which is legit. That's legit. Oh, you pulled out some knowledge. Well, no, whatever." <laughs> So I said, would you take five for it? Because at five, she's like, you can come back and, and drop it back off tomorrow if it doesn't work. I'm like, oh, first of all, I'm not doing that again. Uh, second of all, would you just take five just because it, I don't know if it's going to work. And she goes, oh, eight. And I said, oh, fine, just grumpy. <laughs> oh, my Walked back to my gosh. car with a smile on my face, Margot. Got You're myself ruthless. a little vinyl player. And, uh, ruthless. So I've been on the uh, hunt on this last weekend on Friday. You can't Kylie even get a record no, these days. No, that's what I figured out. For- <laughs> that's the problem is now I'm in too deep, right? 
So Andrew had some extra speakers at the house. We picked up like a little amp thing, cheap on Amazon. And uh, then I uh, we, we went to Farmer's Market this weekend. Kylie and I took the kids for the opening round of Farmer's Market, which was amazing, by the way. Friday was beautiful weather, and the, the market was packed. It was a zoo down there. It was great. Um, and then we went to some of the uh, – went to our fellow shops here at the Uptown and got to go check out uh, Hunt and Gather and Ventures Underground and Uptown Antiques and got to go search through the different vinyls. And I realized – I'm going to pay more for the A record than I paid for the entire unit to play the dang thing. And That's not shopping at the right spots. Maybe not. Ab- absolutely not. So anyway, and I didn't even find one that I liked. I was like, I don't know who those guys are. This is old, old, old whatevers. Where's the Coldplay vinyls? That's what oh, I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, you're definitely, for newer music, you're definitely not going to pay like probably less than 12 bucks. Right. Uh, just because, I mean, there's not as many production facilities for vinyl anymore. And people are doing vinyl right nowadays. Uh, a test of the quality of your vinyl is how thick it is. Yeah, right. I've uh, noticed that because somebody let me borrow a Mumford & Son just to see if the, the thing worked. And it is like thick. You can't bend that. Whereas yeah. he, uh, Andrew brought in some of his vinyls. And some of those are a little bit flimsy. Elton John, greatest hits. A little flimsy. A little yeah, flimsy. Well, it's a way to save money. Yeah. It's... Your song skips a little bit. That's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many... Contributing factors. So the nice thing is that vinyl, I feel like, is being done right. And, and you mentioned a key factor because I was w- looking online and typing in. It's, it's like it sounds good in the room. It sounds really great in the room. And so I Googled it like you can Google it. Um, is vinyl actually better? Or is it like this? Yeah, we're going to figure out another medium to be able to sell you music. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the uh, environment of throwing on a vinyl and playing it is kind of cool. It's kind of whatever. Nostalgic, etc. But the actual quality of it is good. And you explained in a second why, and I and I, I know you know it, so I'll just like turn it over no, to you. you no, no, much, no, I want you to, to wax poetical here. No, you, you mentioned it's analog, an analog yeah. as opposed to a digital thing. So, because it, it feels like with the advance of technology, you should be able to play something on Spotify at a better quality than what Everything you get is compressed. with a plastic vinyl. That's, yes. that's the issue. That's what I figured out. Yeah. The second you compress anything, the quality suffers. Plus, like, there's something magical. You're like, how? Like, I don't understand how this works. That there's grooves and a piece of plastic at different at different heights, different depths that I can't even perceive with yeah. my human eye. That creates that. Like, it's that's insane. Yeah. There's something magical about records that. That just doesn't happen when you click a track. Absolutely. But see, magical isn't measurable to me. So when somebody <laughs> says, oh, it's so magical, yes. But if you're charging me $20, I th- and, and again, a, a quality of it, like, I don't even care about the quality. I, if you played it next to each other, I could probably tell the difference. But, um, or probably, maybe I maybe I, I couldn't even do it. So it, it doesn't make sense for me to do it. However, there are some really cool, I like listening to older music, like classics on a vinyl. Like, I, I want to get... Eagles Hotel California on vinyl. <laughs> I just think that that's the cat's pajamas, and it's got to happen. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm, I'm that's I'm, I'm working on it. I, I own zero vinyls currently. Um, I, I but uh, Andrew brought in about fifty. That, so my fix is being done in the office in there. But uh, <laughs> what's your favorite that you own? <sighs> Friday night, Matt just cooked you El Pastor tacos. <laughs> You guys are chilling on the couch. You like a lot of... Like, and you're throwing on... You say the classics. I mean, like, classics for me are a little bit older than that. Okay. So I love throwing on, like, Chet Baker, like, jazz or 
he likes Frank Sinatra. I'm okay. like, I feel like I'm in an Italian restaurant. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'll have another glass of wine, I guess. Yes. Or like I'll throw in like some Edith Piaf, who's like a French jazz singer. I don't know, like I like listen to that. I love my dad was really big into like the singer songwriter era. So like Cat Stevens, Simon and Garfunkel, like yeah. all those records are great for me. So yeah, pretty easy. Nice. Yeah. And and how often are you uh, are you throwing on a vinyl versus just throwing on your Sonos well, via Spotify? Added salt in the wound when they moved my stuff. They broke my record player. Oh, so my oh. record player was so it's just a prop at this point. Well. It was for almost a year and a half because I didn't make like I love the so the housing units called the box like what the actual thing sits in uh-huh. and I could not I couldn't you can't buy it anymore like it's a it's a it looks a certain way like it has this really cool appearance to it and so I was really bumming out because I love the box and like I didn't want to get another one because I was so attached to that and so I was like uh, you know like going back and forth and just being like I need to suck it up. And uh, Matt's dad actually took it, and he could not fi- – even though he's, like, super good at fixing stuff like that, he couldn't fix it. So he bought a whole new unit, took it out of the the, the original box, and, like, married the two together. Wow. <laughs> and so I just got my record player back about a month ago. So now it's, like, getting back in the habit because pre-moving, I would listen to a record every day. Yeah. Like while I was cooking or, you know, cleaning or doing homework. And so now it's like, I, it's like, oh, I can, I can do this again. So <laughs> yeah, get back in the, back Good. In the habit. So we'd love to hear from you. Uh, what's the, uh, what's the vinyl you got to own? What's the, what's the thing that you got that you're like, this is so good. Gotta have it. Um, and people the that have been listening to vinyl for years, like, I didn't know I was cool. I, like, did, I had no idea it was cool. <laughs> so, yep. Um, Okay. So I do want to talk briefly about Sunday's thing. About Jesus. Now that, yeah, because that's kind of the point of this thing, right? But um, So on Sunday, I, we talked about in Luke chapter 7, there's a story of Jesus and a centurion. Centurion being the, the military guy who's over 100 people. That's why they called him centurion. Roman who had Jewish. Like a, um, who had a position of authority in that community. He would represent Rome, right? There would be some sort of a religious leadership in place that they would do like the day-to-day stuff. But then Rome's kind of peeking over the shoulder going... Listen, if anything comes up, I got it, you know? And so he's he's got like a political figure type thing to meet. He's the guy who, um, you know, probably uh, all of the people would, would know everything about him. And um, if he messed up, it would be a big deal. Word would get sent back to Rome that this guy's not a good guy or, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so I mentioned in the story how Luke records, he's got a servant who's sick. And sends um, some emissaries or some messengers to Jesus. Hey, could you please heal my son? And chooses at first the elders of the temple, thinking probably that that's who Jesus would most likely respond positively to. Uh, Jesus responds not with a message of, you know, you take your servant and screw it because you're an outside force. You're the one that are, you know, I only care about my occupying people. Occupying our area. Yeah. Why, why would you care about me or, or, you know, why would I do anything for you? Right. That would be maybe an anticipated response, which is probably why the centurion sent those people. He instead turns around, goes towards the centurion's house on his way there. Centurion then sends out friends to go out there and be like, no, seriously, like, don't, I I don't need you to come into my house. And somebody, uh, and I I mentioned that it was just another attempt because he mentions in that spot, like, I'm not worthy of you being here. Like, I recognize the 
difference of us, right? The holiness of you and the unsacredness of me or whatever. Um, and yet Jesus chooses to kind of heal him anyways. Somebody mentioned afterwards, I wonder if, and, and I didn't talk about this at all, but I wonder if uh, the centurion was worried about saving his own face, like his own appearance. Like when your parents seen. are walking the hall towards your room and you're like, oh, I'm not worthy for you to come into my room right now, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll meet you in the hallway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Could you drop me off over here? I want to walk to school today. You know, uh, I don't want you, I don't want to be seen with you. Right. Is Is that perhaps what is taking place in that? Uh, which is an interesting perspective. It would go uh, against kind of the point. It would go against, not go against it, but it wouldn't play into the the bigger thought that I have of Jesus. Well, if you look at the conclusion the of the story, that doesn't make sense because the compliments that Jesus pays him are not sarcastic. You know, they're genuine, and I mean, he gives them a pretty huge compliment, uh, and I think that. The fact that he would say, I'm not worthy for you to come over here and do this, I think kind of makes it be be like, okay, that's probably not his motive in this, right? It's probably the other thing. But to contrast that between um, his concern about Jesus being seen with the centurion, right? He should have been the one who was most concerned about being seen because he probably has the most to lose in the eyes of like political society and uh, if I'm seen with this kind of rebel rouser and this uh, Jewish uh, rebel or whatever, uh, that could be that could be bad for my image. And yet it's it's flipped, and he tries to save help Jesus save his own face about being seen with somebody from the other side. And uh, so it, there's just a cool contrast of cultural context going on that I think sometimes you might miss, especially in Matthew's account where it's just the centurion coming up to Jesus and, you know, saying the things to him. Well, and, reputation and is everything, not just for the Jewish, but for the, the Roman leaders, because G- Jesus has no earthly authority. Like, he didn't go to some great rabbinical school and they gave him a degree and that, like, makes all the other religious teachers respect him. He had to earn his respect, and oftentimes what he was doing was not helping mm-hmm. this goal. And so in the same way the Roman centurion, like his life is always based on who sees the the good work that I'm doing. And and, and I, I don't know that—I think the story comes even alive more when you really dive into the honor-shame society built into the New Testament world. Um, there uh, was a book on that that I, I, I remember reading for um, college stuff that was all about— how that was an obs- and we we get it like we understand it in from a Japanese society thing of an honor shame and how that's a big deal um, but that goes back even in that mode of you hurting me physically wouldn't be nearly as painful as you hurting my me from a character standpoint or from or or a shaming standpoint or where I'm seen in society if you if I allow you to to um uh, take advantage of me and I don't do anything in return or I don't set you in place and I just like take it or whatever. Like that is, there's, there's so much going on in that. So, um, if you're interested in doing that further, I can't remember the name of the book off the top of hand, but I mean, if you just type in honor and shame society in the new Testament, uh, I promise you that Wikipedia will have plenty of information on there, which will help this story stand out even further. And we might even go into that um, now that I think about it in the rest of some of the series. There's so many things you miss unless you're doing that sort of deeper look, like the uh, the turn the other cheek, or like you know, like the the instructions that he gives the Jewish people that are hard for them, like turn the other cheek. If someone asks you to go a mile with them, go two miles. These things don't make sense unless you understand the culture. Like even the turn the other cheek. If you're turning the other cheek, you're making yourself. 
you're exposing yourself to the person's dirty, unclean hand, which would like make you spiritually and societally unclean. Yeah. Everyone, think, everyone thinks it's about taking abuse, but really it's like you want right. to touch we, me we with your We kind of hand. get it. We kind of get it in our culture because we go, oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be taken advantage of either, right? Mm-hmm. Um Fool me once, shame on me, or you, whatever that yeah. <laughs> whatever that phrase goes. Shame right? on you. Yeah, there you go. Shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Um, uh, so so that plays, but it doesn't really fully play out into what it what actually is being contained in this. Like there, there's so it's so much bigger than this. So this brings me to an interesting point too. Um, uh, Kylie and I have been. Uh, doing our, our little 12-week challenge thing. This week, we've been reading from these... Uh, there's this, like, Harvard set of books that I, ha- I bought a long, long time ago on various different sources. And this, the one that we read um, yesterday uh, was about, um, in, like, early 20th century science, attempting to figure out how the heart pumps blood and how blood affects, like, your body. Like, they didn't know. They're, they're like... It, we we know it goes in and out. We think it operates like lungs. We think that maybe like your veins kind of swell up and then expand and, and inhale and expand, kind of like your breathing, your respiratory system. But your your blood system operates differently than your respiratory system. They didn't know that. They're just they're trying to make sense of this, right? It feels funny for us because even in like like uh, high school biology class, you knew more about how the diastolic and the estolic, uh, you know, measurements of the heart work than they did. You're smarter about it typically than they were about it. They believed that, um, you're like, it was part of like your spirit, your soul is pumped into your, your part of your being. And when you bleed out, that's your soul going out of you. Like you're literally, it's not like, oh yeah, oxygen, blood carries oxygen to the various parts of your body. Like your spirit is gone from it, which, um, brings up like for me a lot of thoughts on why there's so much language about the blood of Jesus in the New Testament. Think about what they thought about blood was cuz we it's always a very concerning thing for people coming to the church for the very first time. Why are we talking about Jesus blood? You know like like there's always kinds of worship songs that are like um oh Isn't the blood a famous, of Jesus. There's a famous quote that like Christianity is a slaughterhouse religion. Just because you're like the blood of the lamb and you're drinking the blood and communion. And yeah. Like- <laughs> and, and the animal sacrifices in the, in the, in the old Testament, the, the blood running off the altars and filling in the streets and yada, yada, yada. Right. But you have to think about what they thought at that time, scientifically that those things were. They and bo- it's not like God being dumb. Like God thought those things, God understood what would be significant to them and made them do things that would have that significance. Yeah. Be echoed. So they they thought that the spirit or the soul of Christ um, goes out, went out from his body through his blood, and therefore is we need to be covered in the blood of Jesus, which sounds really gruesome and like Ooh, I Carrie. don't want. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like if if that was taught, if if the the Bible or the New Testament theology or doctrine of uh, the remission of sins and the covering of Christ's blood was written in today's language, it would be very different. It would be more spiritual. It would be more like the soul of Christ or the spirit of Christ comes out, and which is still kind of a little bit esoteric for some people and a little bit out there, but it's not as gruesome as the blood. But that's what they, that was their mindset of the science of how the body operated. Yeah. That thing which gave him life is then extended towards you, right? Mm-hmm. If we did it now, it would be different. 
different, but that was their limited scientific mindset. And in th- this book was written, uh, the one that we read the other day was 1907. I can't remember what the exact year, but early 1900s. This is still what they were like, all right, we're figuring this out. We're trying to make sense of how all this kind of stuff works. When we cut animals open, here's what we notice: the, the blood, you know. Um, so it was just an interesting insight for me that, that again, you, if you put yourself in that position and in that level of understanding what comes looking at out, the world through their eyes it makes it begins to make more sense because sometimes you read some of the stuff in the old testament you test me like that doesn't make any sense to me well yeah but you don't believe the same things that they believed when you have the context of it like you can begin to see why they would respond like that and how yeah. okay some of the things that we do wouldn't make sense to them yeah in the same way cuz well, even like like I love my husband and he does things that I don't understand because I don't see the world the same way and I'm not saying they're wrong they could be completely correct and I just don't understand because I don't have the same knowledge the same background the same perspective that he has and so it, I think a lot of people write off Christianity because of that this doesn't make sense this seems bizarre this doesn't line up with my world, my current understanding of the world and how the world works. But if we put ourselves in those shoes, then all of a sudden, like, this makes perfect sense. But then you get to the human personality of it and you realize not much has changed. No. This, like, when it comes to human nature, like... Humans are the same. Their lives just look a We just different. finished a series on Jonah where we saw ourselves in the story... Tons of times, and that story is twenty seven hundred years old. We run in the great, in the most shameful way possible, as fast as we can in the opposite direction. Well, we the see oldest this... story in the Christian canon, which is Adam and Eve, like that is us. Yeah, <laughs> making mistakes and just yeah, going and... after things that aren't helpful for us. And... Right, and and even this uh, centurion being overly concerned, like I, I really want you to help me. I'll do whatever it takes, and I think that you might have take issue with me not being spiritual enough for you or not being a Jewish person, not believing in the same God that you believe in. Um, even though I'm a genuinely good person, like I've used my own personal finances to finance the temple. That's what the, the Jewish elders say. Like he used his own money to build something for us, like help him out if you can. Do he, We kind of owe him a favor a little bit. Like this idea of you owe me favors, I'm going to step, all of that, like that's still very modern. That's still... Yeah. Our culture is it different, is but yes. our, our core is the same. Yes. Yeah. So there's so much value in that. So anyways, we're going to continue to expand on what it looks like to, to live outside the lines, to live and to love outside the lines as Jesus so if, did. If East Lake doesn't make sense to you because we're so bizarre, we believe in doing church outside the lines because d- Jesus did ministry outside the lines. Yeah. And the key there, I tried to make very clear, was not out of rebellion or and hopefully not out of ignorance. Although but it can be taken that way. Just it, like people took Jesus' ministry sure. as rebellion. Yeah. <laughs> But hopefully out of intentionality for a cause bigger than itself, which is to make sure that everybody knows that the gospel is about all people, not just some people. So good stuff. All right. Let's let's uh, let's move to our something interesting. What uh, What's something that you have found interesting, Margo, in the, since, since the last time that we met? Uh, something you've read, watched, done, uh, or just information. Go for it. I was, you know, last night I always start wondering, what am I going to share tomorrow? And, <laughs> you know, I climbed up the mountain not without the sacrifice, and the Lord provided the ram. Just me getting all Christianese on you. <laughs> so good. <laughs> I was scrolling on Facebook, and the lamb appeared. Yeah. I ended up watching like a twelve-minute-long documentary, like mini mini-mentary. I don't know what it's called. Micro documentaries. Yeah. On Morgana, the kissing bandit. Have you heard of this? Is ring any bells? The kiss, uh, there was a kissing bandit on last season of The Bachelor. Is that the really? same guy? No. Oh, <laughs> you okay. were the Bachelor. I don't know. What to I think say. Ari. I think Ari was the kissing bandit. 
So this this is a little bit before my time, okay. and I know there's going to be people listening to this Are you pod- trying to say it's in my time? No. Oh, okay. Well, no, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I know there's people in this podcast that are going to be like, now nah, you're making me feel old, because I know exactly who this sure, is. Sure, right. But I didn't We know- started off with vinyls just to make you feel okay. really at home, <laughs> just so you know. We're trying to balance it. Right. Uh, so Morgana was uh, a woman that spent her, her, like she's known for jumping onto baseball fields and running up and kissing the players. Like instead of streaking or taking the field just to run across, she'd run up and kiss various baseball players. And she actually is the, what they cite as the source of real life, like not a character or cartoon, but having mascots at baseball games is cite Like she, they realize that, the fans loved it, and it was something entertaining and fun. And so they started, because of her, because of her long career of doing this, they started doing. They started creating characters like, um, oh gosh, I can't remember. It's some California team, the Chicken, San Francisco Chicken. I forget. I don't know. The, but the the Phillies. What's his name? See, I'm so bad with baseball. <laughs> Everyone's like shouting at their right. car stereo right now. Well, in in the Washington Nationals, you've got the uh, uh, you got the three presidents right that do the race every every game in the seventh I'll inning. Take your, I'll take your oh, word they, for yeah, it. Yeah, three res, the three uh, mascot. I can't even remember. I think it's on in Pittsburgh. They make pierogies race. So do they? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, the mascot thing is like cited to her. So a little she, bit of information about her. Uh, she had a 30 year career of running and taking Holy the field. Holy smokes. So she had actually a really rough upbringing, uh, was kind of disowned by her mother at age six and passed around along from relative to relative and was sent to a religious school where she decided that she'd become a nun, uh, but ended up running away from school and hitchhiking to Baltimore at the age of 13. And since she was too young to get a job in a shop, she saw a ad in a nightclub a sketchy nightclub. I'll let you fill in the blanks if you have littles listening. And uh, it said they were looking for a camera or cigarette girl, must be 18 or older to apply. And she just lied about her age. And she was on stage that night. Oh, my goodness. And she said her first appearance on stage did not go well because she did not understand that it was more than dancing. And I'll let you guys fill in the blanks. <laughs> but uh, after that, she figured out what she was supposed to do. And she said... <laughs> She enjoyed Took her it. one night. <laughs> just well, she after, she didn't see any acts. She just like went up on stage, not understanding like what you do, and then she's like, "Oh, that's why they're so angry." <laughs> oh my gosh! But so that was her career for a really long time. Uh, and if you look up photos for her, you'll understand why. <laughs> I probably won't be doing that, Margaret. She, Thank uh, you. Her big famous line is that she makes a. Uh, she said Dolly Parton looks like thirteen compared to her. <laughs> Jeez! Everyone's like, "Where's this podcast going?" Anyways, so (laughs) her first kiss uh, was with the famous Pete Rose in 1969. Uh, She, in the total of her career as a kissing bandit, kissed 37 Major League Baseball players and 12 NBA players, uh, including people like Charles Barkley and some other characters or coaches. Sometimes she'd kiss a coach. She uh, also racked up 20 trespassing charges. Wow. And uh, did have a short stint in jail, although she did have one case thrown out because her lawyer argued the gravity case where, well, if you're a uh, top-heavy lady and you're leaning over a barrier at a baseball game, I mean, gravity gravity's just going to pull you down to the field, <laughs> in which case the judge laughed and did throw out the case. Oh, my so. goodness. 
<laughs> it's actually a really a really interesting story uh, about this lady that was just loved baseball and like just the look on her like if you look up the photos of her taking the field again not looking at the photos but yes <laughs> yeah, be I'll careful. take your word like, for maybe, it maybe not safe for work some yeah. of them due to her other career yeah uh, but the <laughs> exactly. photos of, of her taking the field there's just this expression on her face where you can't hate her yeah. like she just looks so joyful and she did she kissed people on the cheek because she oh, says okay it's, that was I it's was, more sanitary yeah. and she doesn't want angry wives coming up yeah, after absolutely her. so I, I get that that actually changes the whole story for oh, me okay <laughs> Because I was thinking, I me too. I feel like that's uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah, it could be different. So it's just kind of an endearing part of baseball and apparently other sports histories. And her biggest stunt was so teams started seeing that people would come out hoping that she'd make an appearance. She'd go all over the country. Yeah, this wasn't just like one team. And so uh, some minor league teams would pay her to make appearances. And the probably the biggest stunt she did was that she dropped from a crane. Onto like bungee jumped from a crane onto the stadium to go take the field and kiss a player. Yeah, at a minor league yeah, baseball and the team, game, and the team wasn't in on that, right? <laughs> sure. So I just think uh, I don't know. I think that that's something that could have been done a long time ago, but I don't know in, in today's society. I think someone actually said that, like that the world is like in the documentary I watched. One of the baseball players, like the world's just a different. Yeah. It's a different place. The security won't let you get anywhere close to those guys. Yeah. Uh, but and she actually is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. There's a photo of her kissing Frank Oliver, and that is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. So technically, she has made it into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And she Boy. now lives the retired life in Columbus, Ohio. So. Yeah. Hopefully listening to this podcast, getting <laughs> her Google alerts went off. Somebody's talking about me. <laughs> But, like, the documentary is really, really cool. So if you just have 10 minutes and just want to learn a weird but kind of fun piece of baseball history. All right, mine has more to do with people who are local. So if you are not from the Tri-Cities, then, uh, I don't know, ignore this or do whatever. But um, uh, about, oh, man, I think it was like two years ago, uh, they the friends of Badger Mountain decided to open up a second location across the way. They worked, there's some people who own some land and there's, you know, it's always access, but I'm going to talk about Candy Mountain, um, which is uh, like the sister mountain to... Uh, the one that burned a little Badger. bit last year. Yeah, it year. burned last year. It's it's uh, a little bit north, northeast maybe of, uh, of Badger. It's like the freeway split. So if you're going towards Seattle, you've got Badger on your left and Candy on your right, basically is how it works. Um, and, uh, if I, I got a phone call from a buddy who had a friend who was getting, wanted to get married at the top of Candy Mountain yeah. on Friday morning at 5.09 AM at sunrise, which required me to be there at like 4.30 in the morning. Which, which is funny because we just drove past the trailhead last week and you're like, oh, that's that, where the trailhead is. Margo, that saved me. I'm telling you, here's why I woke up <laughs> thinking like, all right, I need to be there at like 4.30 to make this hike to get up there. And I woke up at like 4.10. I got a text from them at 4.15, like, like, where are you? We're here. And I'm going, how long does it take to get up? Candy? I should have thought about it. I, I, he said it was shorter than Badger. So, and Badger takes about 30 minutes. So anyways, sprinted over there, go up Dallas road. If you're not familiar with this new spot, if you go to, uh, if you go to West Richland and go up Dallas road, like you're heading to the, the country Merc, yeah. um, it's going to be off to your right. And there's a little parking lot. And then you kind of weave your way through like a really long, flat level area the signage isn't all that great at this point especially at 4 30 in the morning where it's dusk out <laughs> um but then the hill hill is right in front of you and it takes like i said it's probably about a half hour hike to go up it's uh 
it's I think it's a little bit easier than Badger, and the view I think might be better. It's really, really? it's really cool. They did a fantastic uh, job in kind of creating the trail, and and it's it's a lot more switchbacks, and so I think it's probably easier on people's knees, especially like that first part of Badger with the stairs and stuff. It can, it can be difficult, um, and so this is uh, if you haven't tried Candy Mountain yet, go up Dallas Road, take a right, and uh, and you'll see it there. Plan for about a half hour, a little bit breezy at least when we were up there, so you might want to take a jacket with you, especially if you go early in the morning. Uh, to do it um, and then uh, the view either go at sunrise or sunset and you will not regret it and the other way to not regret it is to stop by uh, a, a, the new coffee shop out there right <laughs> off Dallas Road called Fine X Coffee um, and or grab Kitsky yourself. Cellars which is also <laughs> yeah it depends on if you go in the morning <laughs> or the coffee. evening either one you got options uh, Flying X in the morning or Kitsky Cellars in the evening and, and you should be doing just dandy so there you go I just I just uh, created insider a little date tip. for you yeah insider tip for living in the try so, uh, all right, that will do it for this week's episode of Say Something Interesting. Thanks for following along with us. We are we will be doing uh, week two of Outside the Lines this weekend. We also have a play in in house this weekend. Rude Mechanicals is uh, is taking this place over. They moved in yesterday. Their whole lobby's all kind of weird, and our Sunday setup I'm sure is going to be odd. Uh, but they're doing the Tempest for two weekends in a row. So if you're uh, looking for something to do, or if you've never if you've never really gotten into Shakespeare. Um, they do a uh, they do a pretty interesting take on Shakespeare that I think you might like. I, I know almost nothing about the Tempest. Margot is like that's the worst one of all of them. <laughs> um, but uh, I I like Rude Mechanicals, so come support local theater and uh, they're they're good people. So, anyways. Uh, check it out and uh, that's going to do it for this episode you can find us on the socials I'm at at Brent Johnson J-O-H-N-S-E-N Margo is on uh, Instagram at Adventures in Caffeine speaking of Instagram I posted something on Instagram on June 1st it was a meme <laughs> did you see it Margo? yes did you see who liked my photo? the meme was top half you uh, made it? what? I made it yeah I made Ooh. I made the, I made the picture yeah on the top okay, half okay you get so much more credit the top half is Aunt Lydia saying uh, happy Which first is, day of is, Offred. This is a Handmaiden's Tale reference, so if you don't Handmaid's know. Handmaiden's Tale, yeah. On the top is Aunt Lydia saying happy first day of Offred. On the bottom, it's Kate, uh, I mean, uh, Elizabeth Moss saying it's June, right? Because it was first day of June. It was my It was my version of the new JT, like it's going to oh, be May. it's going to be May. I'm hoping that this takes off. No, just kidding. Anyways, <laughs> you'll never guess who liked my photo. Elizabeth Moss, blue verified check mark. Found it Whoa. and liked it, and I flipped out on Saturday night. <laughs> of course, I said, "Kylie, look it. There are only 17 likes on this photo, but one of them is literally the handmaid." Yeah, the person, the I'm celebrity pictured in this. So cool. <laughs> yeah, I already hit, did. I tell you, I hit my Twitter peak when I retweeted a screen capture of Dane Cook in the Smash Mouth All Star music video. Yeah, and, and they and they Dane Cook and Dane Cook retweeted it. Oh, retweeted and, it. Yeah, and liked it and commented. And I was like, "All right, I'm done I'm with done. social media. Thanks, everybody. Have I've a great arrived. night." <laughs> she did not retweet, although you can't really do that in Instagram, anyways. Well, um, maybe she put it on Twitter. You know what happened was a friend reposted for me because I didn't have any hashtag. I don't. I'm, I'm not like okay. a. Hashtag ViscoCam, hashtag SoCalLife, hashtag whatever. I don't do any of that crap because I don't freaking care about it. Um, so somebody else had posted the picture and said, um, hashtag Handmaid's Tale, uh, thanks, at Brent Johnson, something like that. And so then she like... She like, she followed the trail. That took some work. She followed the trail. She didn't just search by hashtag. She searched by hashtags. And I was like, oh, this is probably like her social media assistant, right? But then there's like 
really personal pictures on here of her doing like I don't know. So that means that she Not had her. to see your profile at a glimpse. So yeah. she's seen pictures of your kids. Yeah. Oh, I feel like we're best friends. And for the <laughs> record, I loved her in Mad Men. Mad Men was one of my favorite shows ever, and I thought she was a brilliant character there. So Elizabeth, if you're listening. <laughs> I don't think she's that, I've, I've that far you. deep in the rabbit hole. I've liked in. you before Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, all right. That seriously will definitely do it for us. Have a great week, guys. See ya.